Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Caitlin Patterson, Midwest Muscle P for P Real Talk in the house, in your car, in your ear. And this program is sponsored by P for P Muscle, the number one drug free sponsorship foundation in the world. And if you are looking for a drug free athlete, if you are a drug free athlete and looking for a solid foundation to stand on, yeah, how about that? And a vehicle to drive your goals like a Mack truck through ice cream, check us out at peoplebemuscle.com. And now let us begin the chit-chatter and the banter. I am excited, elated, overjoyed, and sometimes overwhelmed when I get to speak to this young man about everything, anything, and all things natural bodybuilding. He's a living legend. I reached out to him from day one, and he's always had an open ear and a smile and basically a willing heart to help me with whatever I need to do, natural bodybuilding, and I just love him to death, not because of that, but because of all the things he's done for natural bodybuilding, in natural building, and around natural bodybuilding. I'm speaking about none other than Phil Ricardo Jr., living legend, multiple-time world champ, uh, just a great guy. Everything you hear about him is probably not enough. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that he's out there and that he can be a representative and an ambassador of the sport. Uh, Phil, how are you doing, brother, and uh, how's everything going? Hey, thanks for the introduction, brother. Um, I'm not so young anymore, but <laughs> I feel great, and um, it's, always a <laughs> it's always a pleasure being on the show, brother, and thank you for the kind words. I, I just got to say, um, you've been a representative of the sport, for quite some time, and you don't look like you've been a representative of the sport for quite some time because you just hold that uh, that youthful appearance, and I, I don't think your physique has diminished in any way on stage when you've been co- uh, competing. But also your heart has always been really young at heart, and, and you find new ways to basically engage the, the crowd, the people, and you, 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 you've been an ambassador. In a very tough time, you know, there's been a lot of uh, bickering and things that need not be, and, and you still found a way to that smile and, and, and keep pressing on. So, you know, what drives you still, and what keeps that demeanor so fresh and young? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I just, I think my personality uh, is the way I've been brought up, you know, my faith in in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, you know, a whole bunch of combination of things, good upbringing for my parents, and I just got involved in sports at a young age, and um, it's really helped when it comes to my confidence. It's really helped, and it's like we talked about before, being the fountain of youth and just giving you that energy. I love being around people, you know, and I love to uh, display the gift that I think that God's given me. I, I never think of myself as anything special, but I've been put on a platform where I can do things and be successful at it, and so that's always, you know, good fuel for me to, to keep on going, and if people still want, you know, me to be involved and help out in any way, I always feel blessed to be in this position. I could be, you know, living in a third world country, or I can, you know, live in extreme poverty and things like that, and I'm just very blessed and happy that I can still be, uh, you know, able to do something for others, and um, I love the sport, you know, and every time I get the chance to do something, whether it's traveling to different countries and meeting people and people actually knowing who I am, it's uh, kind of amazing and humbling to me, so um, just overall life, you know, I'm just very happy um, just to have this opportunity, because I know that it could be so much worse than how lucky I really am. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you know, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of areas that we can cover. But one I would love to stress, because of your background and your upbringing, and you you touched on a lot of what we are going to be talking about tonight, and that is, you know, the youth of the nation that we are bringing up, basically our next generation, if they do do so, um, we. Uh, in Chicago at Windy City National had a group of children that came to the uh, the venue because they were at risk of, you know, at first 
regardless of the problem with us bringing kids to a bodybuilding show because they basically saying what's the point until we had them in there and they could see kids basically came alive. They just changed the life in ways we cannot imagine. Uh, they were engaging. They wanted to take pictures with all the athletes. They'd never been around what they would consider uh, upper echelon individuals, all-stars, like some of the kids call them. But they were very engaging. And the, even the quiet children were making all kinds of gestures and being so happy and elated. Nothing next, nothing derogative. Uh, uh, none of the stuff that a lot of our listeners were worried about ever came to pass. And the kids went just... I mean, they, even today I was getting calls from the kids because they were just wanting to know the next time or something like that happened and they could be involved in it. So, you know, that changes their lives, it changes their outlook on life, and it gave them hope. I know as a promoter, you've been involving the children already in in, in, in the, the actual atmosphere and competition. How much of that came from your childhood and what you remember as a child, and how much is that as a parent and a supporter where you know this can change children's lives for the better? Yeah, that's a very, very good question, topic, everything. Um, you know, kind of like I mentioned before, I grew up, luckily my father was allowed me to play, you know, Pop Warner football, and I was pretty unhealthy as a child, had asthma, but I loved football to death, and I played, you know, from Pop Warner all the way through high school, even the Marine Corps, and... Um, it just, like you said, you're able to look at TV, see all your favorite players, um, you know, playing football. You want to kind of be like them and emulate them. It just gives you something. It gives you something that keeps you out of the streets and getting into trouble or just doing things that are negative. You know, you're doing something that's a positive um, thing. You know, it's, it's good for your health. Uh, it's good for your, your self-esteem and confidence. Very good discipline. So all those things are what sports and fitness can do for kids, no matter what it is, whether it's football, uh, gymnastics, you know, which my daughters do when they sell in, um, whether it's, you know, uh, soccer, whatever sport, it's good to get that uh, type of discipline and, and um, activity for your kids, you know. And so luckily for me being involved in bodybuilding and my kids, you know, growing up seeing me competing and traveling and stuff, we had the opportunity to help them to, you know, use their skills and uh, have kids fitness. And that's something that we as a promoter with the IMBA, PNBA, uh, we were able to have that um, because they do a lot of shows for kids fitness. And it doesn't matter what your abilities are. You don't have to be, uh, you know, obviously a ripped body, but you're obviously not developed in that way. So there's sometimes there's like, you know, stereotypes and things like that, thinking, oh, my kid's got to be like this. But no, it's... Mainly, you can just use your skills, whether it's martial arts. We had, you know, kids do martial arts routines up there, gymnastics routines, tumbling, um, baseball, football, whatever you want to try. Um, and it gives the kids a platform, like you said, to be on stage in front of a crowd. Maybe um, it's their, you know, outgoing type of kids. They, they, they thrive on that, and they're able to do it and, you know, have people look at them and clap at them, and it, it just sets them up for their confidence as they grow older so that they can get involved and be able to um, be successful in their careers or whatever they're doing. And even if the kids are shy, all it takes is for them to break that fear of being on stage. And, you know, they may be a little bit shy and scared at first, but once they're done, they love it. Every single child that I've known that has been involved, you know, whether it's in my show or other shows that are affiliated uh, with natural body weight, they just, you know, they love fact that they're able to do it and they want to do it again and just like you said as well they motivate other kids that come to these shows so it makes it more of a family-friendly atmosphere to where you can go to these natural bodybuilding and fitness shows and your kids can see it and it can just change their lives forever you know like I said you can not only give them a healthy avenue get them out of trouble especially you know you, like you're saying in Chicago we have a lot of inner city um, youth out there it'd be great to have them see that they can excel not just playing basketball or football, but getting involved in fitness and being in front of an audience of other kids, other adults, and just being able to show off their favorite skills. I think it's a great thing. Well, and I couldn't agree more. And hey, everybody, um, coming late to the show, but I'm glad that I'm here. Um, and 
I think what I like best about everything you just said, Rico, is that, um, you know, you kind of built on what Kaylin was talking about from the perspective of just taking the kids to a natural bodybuilding show to actually creating a format or a venue for them to participate on stage. So this is like a stutter step process that's going on here. And I know a lot of our listeners were a little skeptical at first that, you know, what can, you know, take even taking a kid to a natural bodybuilding show, you know, really even do for them. And I think you've just shared so many other examples of, you know, not even just allowing them to see it, but also participate in it, how much further that can broaden their horizons and perhaps their opportunities or just their outlook on life on what is possible. Um, So to take a step back from everything you were just saying, so I love the fact that you have a kid's category in your show, but just tell us about your show in general. I mean, You've been a longtime pro bodybuilder, um, exceptional in everything you do, and now you've stepped into that next role of promoting. So kind of walk us through how that transition has gone so far and give us the deets on your show so everyone can know what to expect and when and all of that great stuff. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it, it was one of those type of things when it comes to promoting. I selfishly love just competing because I just have to worry about myself, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it kind of got thrown in my lap where, you know, there's a lot of promoters out there. I've been approached by a lot of federations and kind of like we also mentioned earlier, I, I, natural bodybuilding to me is natural bodybuilding. I don't care, you know, what federation, you know, who's promoting, whatever. We're all, we all have the same goal in mind and that is to promote drug-free athletics and to promote uh, drug-free bodybuilding and fitness. So um, I was asked by a lot of promoters in the local area, but I always, um, I got my start in natural bodybuilding with the uh, INBA, TNBA, and I told them, you know, you don't have any, any East Coast presence out here. You know, you guys need to do something about that. They say, well, if you promote, we'll do it. So I decided just to take a, take a chance, you know, kind of get out of my comfort zone and promote. And I did my first show in 2013. Um, so it's called the Philip Ricardo's Legends Classic. And it's out here in Woodbridge, Virginia. And um, the first show I did, very nerve-wracking, scary. You know, it's just like not my thing. I'm not a, a, a great businessman or, you know, outgoing promoter. But I did the best I could, and it's a great show. Um, and I think one of the things that really stood out in the show that made it uh, really grow and had a lot of people in the audience um, talking about it was the kids' fitness. Um, and having the kids' fitness involved uh, really allowed it to have that family um, atmosphere, and it allowed people to kind of look at it and say, you know what, I had this opinion about bodybuilding, you know, from what you see on TV and kind of the negative stereotypes about drugs and steroids and things like that, but I came to your show and I was suddenly, suddenly surprised to see that it's very family-oriented, um, yeah, kids there. Yeah, we got, there's so many different divisions. But like I said, the kids' fitness really motivated the other kids, and a lot of the kids that saw it ended up doing the show the very next year. So I've been doing the show for five wow. years now. Uh, show in uh, August. Yeah, it, it time just flies by. And like I said, five years later, I'm still promoting, and you know, obviously it gets easier the more you do it. And you know, there's been times I'm like, man, I don't want to do. Uh, all the work that goes into promoting, you know, finding sponsors, you know, advertising, trying to get athletes to do it from all over the place, um, getting host hotels and, you know, and all the rest of the things that go with it. But when you, the show actually goes on, and at the end of the day, when you talk to all the athletes and all the people that come to see the show, you know, it's all worth it. So, um, but like I said, the kids' fitness part is just is huge. It just really... Um, motivates me, motivates the other kids, and a lot of the kids that compete at my show, they qualify for the World Championships, which is the Natural Olympia in Vegas in November, so um, my kids and a few others actually traveled from my show, and they competed at the World Championships, and I don't know, many people have probably seen the TLC show um, called Baby Body Voters, and you know, I got mixed reviews because a lot of people that see it on TV don't, you know, and didn't go to the show to see how it really is, you know, they kind of spin it one way to where some people could take it as negative because you're, you know, having kids get in shape, but 
the reality of it is it's just kids having fun. You know, no one's forcing the kids yeah. to do these things. Um, the kids are doing this. They're showing discipline. They're using their physical talents um, just to have fun and, and to be on a stage um, that, once again, we were talking about the alternatives to being fit is to be out in the streets getting in trouble or, you know, having health issues or, you know, sitting on the couch and just playing video games all day. This is a very positive thing. So um, so that, that, that's basically it. You know, I'm very happy that I've gotten this opportunity after all the competing I've done and I've kind of, you know, transitioned a little bit into promoting and hopefully I'll continue to be able to do this and hopefully get more and more kids involved as well so that it continues to grow. And, I, you know, I just it's almost like you were reading our listeners' minds because I think some of the comments that you just shared flow nicely with our next comment question that we have from Jake. And he's saying, with the absence of recess in gym and schools, how many children actually want to engage in health and fitness, especially when it comes to video games for hours on end as an option? And before you answer that, because I think you partially did, but my two cents on that, Jake, is kids aren't interested in health and wellness, but kids are always interested in being active. Even if you have to tear them away from their games for a little bit, if they perceive something as being fun and they're able to engage with other youth and they're enjoying themselves, they, they forget the video games until all of the you know hubbub stops and they're like oh okay well that's what I want to go do I want to go play more games I don't know maybe that's just me I don't know Rico if you think I'm off base there but that seems to be my perception about kids and activity no you're absolutely right that's exactly the answer I would give I know with my my kids you know we can be home um, playing video games for a little while and you know I'll just be like, you know what, you've had enough video games, let's go do something fun. And there's so many things outdoors, even if it's um, raining or the weather, inclement weather, you can go, I, my girls love to go to Sky Zone, which is a trampoline park. And you can yep. go there and jump around, flip around and do things that just gets them active, you know, and it's not them using their thumbs and fingers, they're using their whole entire body to jump around and, 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 and get some exercise in. And, you know, not only is it really cool for the kids, but then, you know, me, I like to participate too, and the parents can go ahead and jump around with them. And it, it keeps not only the kids, you know, having fun and healthy, but it can also do the same thing with the parents. So uh, sometimes I think it really has to do with the parents taking the time to, you know, it, it can be easy for a parent to just have their kids sit and play video games while they do whatever they want to do and maybe, you yeah. know, not take the time to act themselves. But if the kids, I mean, if the parents take an active role in participating with the kids in some of those activities, whether it's going out to the park and throwing the ball around or, you know, going to a trampoline park, it's really uh, the parents' role and not to put all the onus on the school, but the parents should take an active role in making sure that their kids stay fit. Yeah, now, I, I, I have to admit, we, I come from a big, busy, uh, busy big and busy family, and, you know, not all of us were good at sports. And, you know, I just happened to be able to keep the grades good enough where I could stay in it as an option to going to work. <laughs> and that was the option we had. Either you played sports or you went to work. And I thought I was being lazy by playing sports. I learned later that that was a, that was a pretty goofy way of looking at it. But, anywho, some of my brothers worked. But they were good at being active. They they liked running around. Uh, they liked uh, doing stuff with us. It just came time when we, we went to the schools and put on our uniforms, things changed. But I know one brother was a drummer. One just liked to, you know, support us and what we did. But, you know, we, we didn't have – none of us had a problem with being active. And I, I like how you guys are stressing that because it, it's, if we're basically having our children or the next generation mirror us, then we have to be active, and 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 it, and I think a lot of times we put the onus on the kids, like the the adults didn't have the option to do the right thing for them. If if we are the mirror to their future, then we have to be engaging in these things as well. And I love the way Rico was saying it, where he's not just saying go out and play; he's going out there with them so they can see that dad is active as well. So you know, we we have to, like you said, the onus has to be 
at some point reflecting on us instead of saying what the kids should be doing. What are we doing for the kids so they can actually do it? And we, 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 we're, I, I don't know if we're deflecting from what the real pro, uh, problem is by not being part of the program or the format to help these children see what's going on. And, I, I mean, I took quite a mental butt whooping at seeing the kids at the bodybuilding show basically asking what I would consider rudimentary questions but we don't we've gotten so far away from engaging with children that we don't even know where to start it seems because I was so ashamed of myself and when I say that on the drive home that I was in tears and how bad things had gotten away from me because of what I know and the children I engage with I never thought about reaching out to the ones who weren't seeing what we are, what we live and know, you know, because we're around children and they're they're around us, so they get to see the good in what we do. But then, what about the forgotten kids? And you know, if 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 we can't reach them in some kind of way, then you know, are we really doing enough? And I I mean, it was like I said, it was a mental butt whooping, and I was really ashamed of just how far away some kids are from what true health and fitness is, and they do pick up the option of drugs and all these other things simply because they don't know of a better option. Yes? No, I would would totally agree with that, and it's, I mean, it is a really sobering thought when you think about it, Um, but you know what? And then there's still the chance to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and do something, and that's exactly what you and your group are doing with these kids because I know you're planning future events and what Ricardo is offering as an alternative um, opportunity with his programming. And, you know, and our listeners, too, are picking up on this because I can see that some light bulbs are coming on, and Belinda's question is just one of those indicators at, at uh, how, you know, our parents out there that are listening are thinking, well, what can I do to get my kids more involved in different opportunities? And her question is this. Um, Enrico, we'll start with you. And, Kaylin, if you have some thoughts to tag on, we'll go there. But she wants to know, what is a good age to introduce kids? Ooh-wee. That's a good one, Desiree. Um, <laughs> kids are so kid. Uh, yeah, that's a good one because kids are so different. Every, every child I and mean, every person is so different. It's really hard to, like, put a an age on anything, you know, because I know yeah. my uh, oldest daughter, she uh, started doing the split at age two. So, wow. you know, she was a early starter, and so we kind of already knew that, you know, that was going to be her thing. I was like, wow, she's, you know, there's just some kids that are just blessed that they just have this natural, you know, athleticism, and so you have to, like, ride that and let them, and, and see how far it can go. Um, and her sister, you know, her sister is younger by, you know, almost three years, and she was a late bloomer, and so she got started, you know, at age five, six. But she, when she did get started, she was pretty good. You know, she followed and saw her sister, and at first she wasn't into it, and then she got better. So, and there's other kids that, you know, I've seen some some boys and young men that don't get started, obviously, too late, too. So there's never a real time that you can set. It'd be nice to try to see if you can get your kids involved in something, um, something small that's, you know, maybe not as uh, demanding. You know, I think soccer is always one of the first sports that parents like to put their kids in because it's basically just running, you know, running and trying to be coordinated and kick a ball. Um, if you can get that down and you're getting your endurance up and you're, you know, you're, you're running around and being active, then you can see how athletic they are doing that um, and then if you see they have other skills, whether it's swinging a, a, a bat and hitting a ball because they have that hand-eye coordination or they can do splits at a young age or, um, you know, they can run with a football or they can shoot a basketball. I mean, I just really don't see an age. I think it's one of those things you have to really pay attention to your child and see um, what they might be good at. But um, you can get them probably as early as three or four years old. Yeah, um, and I, I have to go and agree with, with Phil because it, this, I mean, some kids are it seem like they're born from the womb and they can already get a dumbbell and throw it through a house. They're just that <laughs> strong. <laughs> and then there's others that just don't want anything to do with it. 
other than, you know, being active with family or friends or whoever. And uh, Dad stressed a good point about if they see it's fun, then they're going to want to play it. And kind of the lack of community makes society suffer because, you know, who who knows the people that can get involved and engaged with, with these kinds of things? And I think we're getting back to that format, and natural bodybuilding is a great foundation to do so simply because you have people that haven't, take, haven't taken shortcuts or don't have a big skeleton in your closet of, of the drugs that you're hiding and keeping from people to know, you know, why you look the way you do. And, that, you know, because of that, there is a family environment because you don't mind sharing what you've done because it is a struggle. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice, there's a lot of discipline, and, uh, you know, Rico coming from the, the military background as well knows much of what what that engages because there's a lot of mental discipline as well. And because of going through things like that, you don't want people to suffer with the pitfalls that you might have, have had in your past, and you do share openly and freely. And because of that, you know, children are always a good option to have their ears open when they're around people like that because then they can find out, you know, exactly what's going on. So when it comes to weight, we can say, hey, you know, maybe that's a little heavy for you. And the reason why, because we know that joint pain. We know those minor injuries, you know. So it, it, it's a lot that goes on with weight. And, you know, I there's some kids I would never put a weight in their hand simply because they just don't have the wherewithal to to do it realistically and safely. And then there's some that yep. are so safe and cautious that it, it's, it's almost a joy to watch them when they're when they're in the gym, and they just pick up so quick and and fast that you you know you'd almost it would you'd almost be doing them a disservice by not let them engage. I wouldn't say heavyweight, no, never. Uh, they're still developing, but if they have a natural side to that where they can engage in it and be protected as well, then you know what whatever age is fit for them, you know, knock yourself out. But then there's others where I would not even have them into a gym until they were well into their teens. That no, no, and I totally agree with everything you're saying there. I mean, it's you'll hear a lot of people throw around a baseline age that you know they shouldn't start lifting weights until they're 13. But really, kids are doing a lot of resistance training long before they even hit their preteens or their yeah. teens, and they just don't even know it if they're jumping, they're doing explosive movements, they're doing squats, they're bending, they're doing, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, any of that, any of those functional movements, they're already doing resistance training. They just don't have a weight in their hands. And I would just add that, which Kaylin already said, is a lot of it comes down to what kind of instruction are they getting. If they've got good form, if someone is showing them good form, I personally, there might be those that disagree with me, don't see anything wrong with putting a light weight in their hand. And definitely, as Kaylin said, it does not need to be heavy and it should not be heavy. But they can be learning the basics, you know, from early on. And I don't think that does does them any wrong whatsoever. If anything, it's just encouraging them to gain more knowledge and grow and progress as they get older. Um, and the heavyweights? You know, that doesn't need to happen until they're much older. And even then, I don't know how heavy the weight needs to be. They just need to have consistency, stay active, be taught good form, and they're going to be good to go. So if you can get your kids engaged, if lifting weights is your thing and you're confident in your form, or even if you're not, then, you know, get a coach and have the two of you go through it together and just learn some basic stuff. And, uh, you know, you'll both, both be better off for it. So that's definitely something good to uh, keep in mind. Um, and here, we've got a good comment here yeah. from Bill while we're talking about the kids and, nat- and being introduced to natural bodybuilding. He says, don't forget the adults who are being introduced to natural bodybuilding. We have to start at the beginning as, as well. Not all of us know about this natural stuff like you guys do. And, Bill, you are so correct and we apologize if we are sounding like we're forgetting the adults. We would we would never forget the adults. But uh, I, I think our focus is just on the kids at the moment. But uh, we want all of you guys to become more familiar with natural bodybuilding and get engaged at whatever level. I mean, you don't have to be a competitive bodybuilder to build your body. So just keep that in mind. 
And with all that being said, I know that our listeners are wanting to learn more about you, Rico, but I don't think I've ever quite heard the story of how you even got involved in natural bodybuilding and why you decided to stay with the natural side of this equation. Hmm. Well, thank you, Des. Well, um, and also, I, I think I answered the previous question wrong, too, so I agree with what you guys said as far as the weights. I kind of just went over athletics in general, but I agree, like, sports. And I, I can probably go into my story, too, um, to kind of cavi- or, um, carry on what you guys said as far as lifting weights-wise. But um, I guess my story is, and I try to not drag it out too much, but uh, as a child, like I said, I um, you know, I grew up with asthma, pretty sickly, little skinny, scrawny guy. <laughs> pretty shy. Um, but, you know, I, I, I fell in love with football thanks to my father um, and uh, started playing football with my best friend out there in the, you know, the, the uh, projects of Brooklyn, New York and Flappish Avenue and loved it. You know, I was a good receiver um, and wanted to be, you know, all the, the famous guys back in the day, the Jerry Rices and, you know, the John Stallworths and Kellen Winslow's and things. So um, as I got better in football, I went and played high school football, actually in Chicago down there, uh, Downers Grove South, the Mustangs. And so they had a great weight training program, great. So at the age of 14, 15, I actually got involved with weights at that time. And, and even my dad, before that, my dad used to work out, and he had these little sand, old school sand weights, so I lifted those, and he taught me how to do it. So for those that think, you know, it might stun your growth or, you know, be unhealthy for you, it all depends, like both both Des and Caitlin said, um, you know, if you have somebody can teach you the right form and you're already doing resistance stuff, whether it's football, push-ups, sit-ups, jumping around, I think you can really get involved in lifting weights. And the weight training program um, at my high school really helped me develop the mus- muscles on my body at a pretty young age, so I had that, that foundation. Um, right after high school football, I decided to join the Marine Corps, and as Caitlin mentioned with the discipline and everything else, I was able to continue um, being very active. Um, I got stationed in Japan, so basically during the week, all that there was to do was to work out and then on the weekends go party. So um, they had a bodybuilding show on the base, and I got started. Uh, someone put me into the competition. I did well my first show. Um, I competed some really small shows in Japan, and then when I came back to the States, um, back in 1995, um, I did the NPC, which is the only federation that I knew of, which is, you know, it's not drug tested, but of course I was drug free in the military, drug free my entire life. And I did well. I won some of the armed forces shows they had out there. And we had a football, uh, a bodybuilding coach on the base. And I learned some things from him. I finally got involved with the INBA, um, PNBA in 1998, because that's the first time I knew that there was anything called a drug-free organization that had instant success with them. Um, and ever since from 1998 till present, uh, I've, you know, competed in, I can't, maybe close to 100 shows, uh, competed in over 20 pro shows. Um, I, you know, have a very good professional record. Um, and like I said, multiple world championships with, different federations, whether it's the IFPA, PNBA, NGA, IPE, um, Mufflemania. Um, I've competed in all those federations and, and have won titles. So it's been a very blessed uh, blessed career for me. Uh, I even competed as late as last year. I won the uh, IPE Pro Bowl. I won the PNBA World Championships in Italy. And this year I Whoa. had a break, but I'm promoting. So it's been, it's been an unbelievable career, um, and uh, I could never have dreamed of doing the things that I've done. So, Italy, hey, huh? Italy. So, yeah, I don't do it, but yeah. then I got to hear about Italy. Hold on, um, this is going out to Carl because uh, he's saying that he was in the military, and he knows uh, plenty of guys that were using. And I'm going to basically interject on this one because I was in the military as well, and I know plenty of guys that were using until they got drug tested and then they were no longer in the military. So, you know, we, we yep. can talk about the people that are doing what they're doing, but they eventually get caught, just like in everything else. They eventually get caught. And I'll, I'll never forget this guy. We went out, uh, had a great time at some party, 
and he disappeared for a couple hours. And the next day we came back in, and our our numbers fell on the fell on the drug testing time. And he just started crying because he knew that he messed up and he was about to lose his career in the service. So guys, yeah, they're, they're, we're all going to know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. But let me tell you, it, they don't get away with it for long. Eventually, they do get caught. Just like in the natural bodybuilding community, you might know somebody that's using, but that never makes it everybody is using. So, yes, these these are natural, and, and God blesses us with the ability and temples to use them. And if we do them correctly, then this is the end result, and you get Mr. Rico's body naturally. So, you know, don't try to find a way to basically say you know somebody. We all know somebody. I mean, as you probably know coworkers that are doing something, and they're still your coworkers. Okay, so you know it. It's we we can't get caught up in well if you because you know somebody that's dirty that everybody's dirty. They're not going to go down that road. And I can speak from the military because I was in it as well. Uh, back to your Italy question, then. No, I just want to hear about Italy and competing internationally. And did you just decide to do that show or you got invited or what was that whole experience like? Well, the, it was, it's always a great experience. The, the good thing about the IMBA, TNBA is they have a huge, probably bigger international presence than they do here in America. And uh, the year before that, I went to Budapest, Hungary. So that was the first time. Basically what happened is I, uh, we had the whole TV show which was the TLC Baby Bodybuilders. Um, so my kids, you know, they won my show, then they did the Natural Olympia, and it was all filmed on TV on TLC. And I did the Natural Olympia as well since, you know, the whole family was competing. And I actually won the Natural Olympia championship. And so that kind of was kind of the, the pinnacle for me to win it for the third time. And I was like, okay, I can quit now and, and be done. <laughs> but the Federation mm-hmm. president wanted me to compete at the world championships the next year, which is in Budapest, Hungary. And so, you know, I got the blessing to go. Um, I went, it was paid for, and I won the world championships in Hungary in 2016. And so uh, the next year, the the show was in Italy, and I really didn't want to compete again, but once again they invited me to go. And they actually had me do two things. There was a guest posing for the very first um, INBA Asia Pacific Championships, and I was in Seoul, Korea. So I was able to go there and guest pose in Korea um, the week prior to Italy and then flew from Korea to Italy and then competed there and won. So it was a lot of traveling, but it was all pretty much part of the success that I've had in the sport. And like I said, once again, just being blessed to be able to go. And Italy was just beautiful. It would have been nicer if I was able to – enjoy it more so I could have eaten some of the great food they have there but obviously in contest <laughs> prepping you can't do that but the beaches were beautiful uh, the hotels the uh, architecture uh, it was just a great city uh, we went to Rimming Italy it was like this big old stadium where they had not just natural bodybuilding but they had uh, powerlifting they had a whole bunch of other fitness activities going so it was huge kind of like what you would, what you see like at the Arnold Classic or something but uh, it was just international you know, a lot of different foreigners, you know, not just obviously Americans or Italians, it's French, all the Europeans, um, um, the Korean team came out too. So it was a real championship of all the athletes from all around the world. So it was a, a great experience. Things that you really don't experience that much here in the States when you compete because, once again, you kind of just, the Americans are competing. Whoever's in Chicago is going to compete in Chicago. Whoever's in Virginia is going to compete in Virginia. But when you go across you know, the waters and you compete in a different country, you're competing against, you know, you don't even know some of these athletes and you have some incredible athletes that come out and you're like, wow, you know, where did this guy come from? Where did this woman come from? So, and you get to meet some great people too, our fans. So it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's an awesome, awesome experience. It sounds, so just one last, and this is a silly question, but so when you're in Italy or you were in Budapest or, you know, any of these international venues, when you're out there on stage and they're calling quarter turns, what language are they calling in? And how do you know <laughs> what they're saying? Or you know, or what they're calling their mandatory? Because then that's not even just a turn. I mean, you have to hit whatever pose they're calling for. That is a uh, awesome question, Des. And, and that did happen, too, because sometimes um, they – the lucky thing for us is we did have 
a panel of judges that was split within all the countries because we had like a team USA, they had a team Italy, team Korea, team Africa, team New Zealand, Australia. Uh, so what they would do is they'll have two different judges. So one judge will call out the um, mandatories, and then the American will also the American judge will follow up and say, you know, quarter turn so that we know the language. You know, so I have two different gotcha. judges calling out the. Yeah, so that would that that makes it easier for us. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. I mean, obviously, you have an international show yeah, in the states, and most of it's going to be in English unless there's an interpreter somewhere. But when you're on someone else's turf. You know, it could be, it could be, anything could go. And if anybody's out there yeah. listening that's wanting to compete internationally, I'm sure they're wondering what to expect and how that goes down. So, but uh, anyway, yeah. very interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Um, our uh, our next question here, this one's from Brian, and this one is uh, for you personally, Rico, and he wants to know what has been your toughest body part to develop? Oh, by far the calves. <laughs> you know, being calves. African-American. You know, my husband would agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, African-American is extremely difficult. And to be honest with you, I'm very proud of what I got because I, I honestly had this little, you know, tasty walking sticks, you know, and it, 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 it just grew over time. You know, you do the best you can. You, if you have a stubborn body part, you just keep hitting it and hitting it and, Treat everybody part the same. You know, a lot of times because you feel like you're missing something, you end up focusing on your strengths versus your weaknesses. And I found that um, with calves, you have to, you know, hit it with a whole bunch of sets and reps. You know, I, I, I built them to as genetically, you know, possible that I can build them up to the point where they're not, you know, so, you know, out of balance with the rest of my physique. So I would definitely say calves and um it's always good to try to balance your body out the best you can. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. KP, Taylor, what's your hardest body part to develop? Is it calves Absolute. also? Kryptonite, legs. Black man's <laughs> legs. <laughs> Black man's kryptonite. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because you, you think about it, every uncle, every family member had the bench in the backyard. But nobody had leg machines, so we we never thought that anything. And you just put on some sweats yeah. and hit the street. <laughs> That's what we knew. Right. <laughs> All you need is that, that tank top, and that's it. <laughs> there you go. Tank top. Yeah, friends don't let friends get leg day. <laughs> no, now no, no. Now. The best move ever. Uh, because I got a question for you, because, you know, you were in the military, uh, and you've done a lot. For the, on the, and thank you for that, you know. But uh, one of the things is that we're taught in the service that we are ambassadors of goodwill, and you're just drilled that over and over. What you do represents your country, good and bad, and you just always have to be mindful of that. Now, competing in representation of our country, you know, did that help? And did that help when you're dealing with the other uh, other cultures and countries? Uh, yeah, for me it does. You know, I know that, um, you know, some people can go other places and, you know, exactly what you're saying in the military. I remember I, back in the military I went to Japan. I was like my first duty station. And, you know, obviously when we had World you know, World War II and dropping the bomb on Hiroshima and, you know, we actually were stationed close to there. And some, you know, there are some disrespectful Americans, I hate to say it, that would wear – T-shirts with you know like a mushroom bomb, and you can't do stuff like that. You gotta oh, be sensitive um, to yeah, you got to be sensitive to where you're at, the culture. You can't expect everyone to be like you, act like you, know about you. So you have to go as a my like I said, this is my opinion and what is normally preached both in the mil- in the military and you know what we should preach as is ambassadors for athletes and natural bodybuilding. But you you have to go and you should be promoting yourself in the highest manner so that when someone sees you, they're not thinking, oh, here's, you know, this uh, disrespectful Marine or this disrespectful, you know, bodybuilder. You're trying to show them that, you know, we're human beings and we care and, you know, we're just out there, honestly, to display, you know, whatever work we're trying to do. You know, if we're trying to go out and show our bodies to show what the, the human body is capable of, you know, you do it in a, in a manner that is artistic and then you're able to 
talk to people that want to talk to you. If if someone comes up to you, want to take take a picture with you, and you know, I it was it was that was the most fun for me when I was going over there when it was Korea or Italy or Budapest. And if someone wanted to take a picture, I just have a smile on my face. I'm just open and and and, and out there to just interact with everyone and not have an attitude. You know, whether you win or lose, you just go out there and just be an ambassador and, and try to be there for people, talk to them, get to know them. You know, sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone, especially if you're dieting, you're probably not in the best of moods to talk to somebody because you're on low carbs or whatever it is. But you still have to be that ambassador so that when people see you and talk to you, they say, you know what, not only does that person have a great physique, but they're also pleasant to talk to. Um, they they treat, treat me like I'm their brother or sister. Um, so it's just something that you have to really make an effort to. You got to be intentional yes. when you do these things because yes. otherwise, uh, you can easily just be a selfish person. You're going out there all for self, but you have to realize that you're doing this more for your, more for the people out there that want to know about this sport and see is this something I want to do? And if they see the joy coming from the athlete, and they see the, the athlete, you know, having success and also doing great things with other people. It just helps, you know, to elevate the sport. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, next question from Sheldon. He wants to know, how has competition helped you as a promoter? Or how has being a competitor, I should say, helped you as a promoter? Oh, it's helped big time. Um, <laughs> I think my show especially, um, being especially a pro that's had success, um, I end up getting more pros in my shows than even the amateurs. Um, and that's mainly because I feel, you know, and, and maybe this may come across wrong because I don't want to you know, discard any of the amateur athletes. But as an amateur, your goal is to turn pro. And when you turn pro, you want to get the perks of being a professional. And that includes the prize money and awards and, you know, opportunities. So for me as a promoter, I want to make sure that if I have a pro class, which I do, that all the pros are taken care of, whether it's extra prize money, extra awards, free plane tickets to the world championship, you know, stuff like that because these are things that a lot of the pros, you know, I wouldn't say complain about, but there's something that they're they're looking for. When they, when they are looking to do a show, they want to make sure that they're compensated. Um, they have to pay more money for their entry fees and, and other things for their pro cards, so they want to be able to get rewarded for them reaching that extra level, you know, that that that, that pinnacle goal. Um, so I think as a competitor, that's helped me to realize, as a pro, I want to make sure these pros are taken care of. And, of course, for the amateurs, too, I want to make sure the amateurs get what they deserve and that they're able to come to my show with the opportunity to reach that, that, that ultimate goal of becoming a pro as well. So it's all about making sure that the athletes are taken care of with sponsorship, um, prize money awards, things like that. And most promoters do this. I don't think I'm any different just because I'm a pro or I'm an athlete. But I definitely put that special care and emphasis. If I can help the athletes in any way, you know, I do it and kind of step, you know, go try to go above and beyond if I can because I know what it's like to be an athlete and to be a competitor. Yeah, and I, I just love that, that you're willing to basically promote the pros because that was one of the biggest questions that we were getting back in the day is, you know, like after everybody's winning their pro cards, well, where are the pro shows? You know, it seemed like there was amateur shows every week, but when it came to a, a pro-am, they just didn't seem to be out and about where, you know, it was well worth doing. And I was I, – I love when people are ready to compete on the pro stage, but I love when they get the chance to compete with actual pro competitors. And, you know, you, uh, Marshall Johnson, uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, big, big guys, but basically people that are willing to educate and share what they know. And, you know, the doctor of destruction, Martin Daniels, when, when you see a pro physique on that level, then you get to understand, you know, where you have to put yourself and how you can be motivated to go even further. Because I think sometimes a kick in the butt is one of the best learners that you can get. I learned that in the military and through the hard truth, but it's still a truth that you got to do. And, you know, I just remember uh, uh, Jay Johnson, this last show where he, uh, down in Kentucky, 
where he competed, and, and he was out on stage with monsters, but because it was not unfamiliar territory, he could do it. And, you know, you competed as a pro, and you love going up against the best of the best. You know, but why is it such a divide from the people that think they need to take such a long time away from stage and get away from the the experience of competing as compared to people that are staying with it so diligently and still winning? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question as well. I mean, I think, and I, I train clients on the side as well, and I've been fortunate to have guys I've trained on the amateur level that turn pro. And you're right, because the first question that comes out of their mouth, they, they get this pro card and they work so hard for it, and then they're afraid to step on the pro stage and they just don't think they're ready. And I'm like, what did you do all this for? Then? You know, if you're, yeah. if you're competing competing to turn pro and you finally get it, then then why stop? Why wait now? And I mean, that's your final goal. But I, I feel if you're a pro and then you don't use it, you're really not a pro. I just feel, you know, you have to go up against the best there. At least step on stage once. And it doesn't matter what where you place, but step on stage against the best guys, and it's a great experience. It's something that's going to push you to elevate your own physique because you're seeing, like you mentioned, the Martin Daniels and you know, all the other great athletes. And I, it was crazy because Martin Daniels did my show in the pro division, and I had to thank him for coming. It was 2015, as a matter of fact, and I had to thank him for coming. That just showed once again that, you know, because I'm an athlete and a pro, that he had respect enough to come and compete at my show. Obviously, he won, and um, then he did the National Olympia. But having guys like that come, and when you know a guy of his caliber is coming to compete, others – will want to be on stage with him because he's a legend, you know, he's, he's yes. you know, because of a physique like that. So I try to tell people, when you turn pro, especially with my clients, you need to see what it's like to really be on a pro stage and just step it up because yes. all it's going to do, no matter where you place that, it's going to make you a better a better competitor. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I likened it to somebody getting drafted into the NFL or NBA and saying they were going to take a couple mm-hmm. of years off, and you know exactly. uh, what? Yeah, it's like, well, how do you know? <laughs> I'm a little confused on that. And I, I, I agree that you say that you got to step your game up. I will definitely agree with that because winning a pro card is not stepping on a pro stage. I will admit that any day of the week. But how do you know mm-hmm. if you're not willing to take that next step? It's like you, you go from high school, you don't have a problem going to college. But then after college, you don't want to go to the pro, and that's everything you've been doing up to that point. So that was always a little confusing to me. And I noticed the people that say they want to take some years off, out of the maybe 500 that have said it, I've seen maybe five that have come back looking like they did when they won their pro card, which isn't enough to get on a pro stage and win. And unless you really do some selective picking and know who's going to be at every venue and every event, I can't see that being a positively progressive style of competing. I think it's basically nitpicking until until you're a trophy hunter. But that's my opinion. I'm not going to, you know, say set it in stone and and hold anybody to that. But that's always, I guess, just that's just the competitive side of me. And I just can't see not taking on Goliath if you know he can be beaten. Amen. I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Now, i, I got to ask, because, you know, we, we talked about your show and, and, and the, the Legends Classic, but now we got to know when it is and where it is so some of these people out on the East Coast can get out there and, and fill those audience seats. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And like I said before, my show was the only East Coast show to qualify for the shows like the Natural Olympia, where, which is the uh, – in November 10th, 11th time frame in Vegas, which is one of the biggest, um, if not the biggest, world championship. Um, you know, anything you hear of Olympia or Universe, um, the PNBA has that title. I've won the PNBA Natural Universe three times, the PNBA Natural Olympia three times, PNBA mm-hmm. World Championships twice. And so if you want that opportunity to become a pro, even on the amateur level, you can do the same thing. So it's amateur or pro. If you want to compete at those shows and get those type of titles, you know, under your belt, then my show is either the end of July or early August, 
um, every year. So it's been, you know, this past year was August 11th. It was a great show. And a lot of the competitors, there's a few big names I'll give shout-outs to. Ray Clark, who finished runner-up to Victor Aguno. Uh, two unbelievable pros that tussled it out at my show. It was like one-point victory for Victor. They're both planning on doing the Natural Olympia, which is going to be huge. It'll be their first time doing it. Uh, we had a men's physique competitor that's also going to be um, that one that's going to be competing there too. So um, it, it, it's one of those shows that, like I said, the pro classes, they win. They're able to get prize money, and some of them even get plane tickets to travel to Vegas to do the show. Yeah. And also you also have the opportunity, once again, to do the natural, the natural universe this year was in uh, Brisbane, Australia. So that just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, so they, it's an international field. So you do my show, you qualify to do those international shows and get the opportunity to travel the world and just be a whole new world of what natural bodybuilding can really be like instead of, you know, in your own hometown. Nothing wrong with doing little shows in your hometown, in your own hometown and backyard, but if you have the opportunity to step it up and see what it's really like and, and meet all athletes from all over the world and see different types of physiques, definitely uh, take a look at my show and, Anybody have any questions about it, you can just hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Philip Ricardo Jr. Um, I always answer all my messages, and that's how I got on the show <laughs> with Dez and, and Taylor. So um, I, I'm always available. Um, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I deal with all the natural federations, but I just happen to promote for the PNBA, IMBA, PNBA. But uh, there are some opportunities that you get with the IMBA, PNBA, and at my show, that you just do not get from any other federation. So I uh, appreciate uh, Kayla and Des and have the opportunity to talk about it. But next year's show, I'm not 100% sure yet if it's going to be late July or early August. But if you have any questions, just, you know, like I said, I'll Facebook friend you. You have too many friends now. I have to probably weed them out. But um, I'll add you, and then you can get all the updates on when next year's show is. And if you have any questions at all, uh, you can uh, ask me, or you can also visit www.naturalbodybuilding.com. Yes. Now, there's, there's one thing I'd like to add before the show ends. You know, that's the international shows. You don't really understand beast mode. You don't really understand going hard, or you don't really understand the depth that some people are willing to go until you've gone to an international show and you'll see people that have less to work with and still see the physiques that they're bringing to stage. It really motivated me as a person, as an individual, to really step up my workouts, to really step up my dedication and my mindset when going into the gym with so much that is offered to us to present our physiques the way we do as compared to people that have little or next to nothing and they still have the physiques that they're bringing to stage. And I mean phenomenal physiques. As a, as a promoter and as an athlete, uh, Rico, what, how did that impress you, being on the international stage, seeing the people and what they had to work with? Uh, it, it's, you're, you're right. It's unbelievable. I mean, one of the best physiques ever, you know, is Mishak Ochiang. And Mishak, coming from, from Kenya, he came from nothing. He came out here to the States now, citizen. And he, if you see his physique, and, you know, he's short, obviously, but if he were five inches taller, no one could beat him because he has unbelievable round muscles and everything else. He came from third world, so did his brother, and they did what they could to get their physiques, and it's incredible. I mean, I'm sure a lot of genetics from being out there and working and doing what they did. But you meet physiques like Meshacks over there. You meet physiques from Australia, um, you know, Italy. Uh, it, it's incredible seeing what these guys can do. And I met a, a few guys from Africa that I competed with. And like you said, Kaylin, they, they work with nothing. Um, some of the guys, they um, actually helped them out. You know, they, I, I had a hotel room. I let them stay with me in my hotel room um, so they, because they didn't have enough money to pay for a room. You know, they don't have enough money to pay for certain food. They don't get the same nutrition we have. They don't have the same equipment. No. So nope. it's like you're saying, Kaylin, if we, if we can do what we do and we're complaining about the gyms that we go to and they're working with, you know, sometimes just rocks and sand and, and, and you know, sandbags and, and, and broomsticks and things like that. Um, yes. We have to really feel blessed 
you know, what we are able to accomplish here with our physiques if we just put the time and effort into it. So it is very humbling and sobering to see what they do and how they're also so happy. You know, their, their attitudes, they're so humble and happy despite their, you know, what they what they have to deal with. And, you know, you see some people here that, you know, most, for the most part there's some great athletes and great great um, personalities here, but the, there's a few divas out there and, you know, it, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way at all. There, there you go. Uh, I gotta share one thing, and this is a this is a testimonial to you, because you know I I I I, I don't know if you can remember when I when I drove down to visit you uh, the first time, and we got to work out together, and I was just so happy about that. But there was I remember you were doing your curl on the on the curling rack, and just how your muscle was so developed. Because I was used to seeing big muscle, you know, because we had guys that, that never said they were using, but we found out later that they were. So it wasn't like I wasn't mm. used to seeing big guys, but just the development of your bicep and how it reacted to every part of that curl that you were doing. And you were telling me about form, you know, all you should be feeling, what you should be doing, your diet and all this. And I just remember your your bicep was doing everything that it was supposed to do with that curl. And I was just so impressed with that. And I just remember there were two or three people beside me, and one guy actually knew you, and he said, man, you know, I, I'm just so impressed by the work he does and how he does it, and I, I just want one day to have my bicep like that. And I was thinking that. I just didn't say it. And I said, you know, I don't want just to have a bicep that could react that way, but I want somebody – to be that impressed where they're willing to do exactly what I'm thinking and work that hard. And, I, you know, talking about the Windy City Naturals where we were at that show and those kids were kept saying that they wanted that in their life and they wanted to be that kind of person. I said, you know, you can't look at me without looking at, and I told them your name. You know, they didn't know, they probably know later on who you are, but they didn't know your name at the time. And I said, so somebody motivated me. I said, so don't think this is just, the one-time thing. There, there was a guy that motivated me to want to have a bicep that actually had a reaction in someone else where they would be motivated to do more than what they know right now. And so I'm saying thank you for that. You know, like I said, it, it, it really humbled me then, and it humbled me to hear that from the children and the fact that they were willing to call, you know, ask some ask an adult to call me so they could just ask the next time they could see me and see us uh, working out in the gym and if we could work out in the gym. And that goes back to you basically just sharing your time with me where I wanted to do more because we, we know what we know, and then we meet people that do better and we learn better, and then hopefully we'll want to do better as well. And and you were that mentor for me, and I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate so much those words, man. That's that's. That's incredible. You know, I think whenever kids are impressed by you, there's no better feeling. I think I'm happiest most when kids, you know, look up to you and they can tell, you know, they just get happier seeing someone that's different than the average adult, you know. And I think um, it's definitely motivating when I go to my kids' school and, you know, their friends always, you know, asking about my muscles and things like that. And I know you get the same thing. And that, that that right there, if you have the right attitude and you're able to give back to the kids because they see that you're different, that you're special because of, you know, your your discipline, uh, that's what we're trying to do here. And I think that's what you're, you and Des are doing over there in the Windy City. So, you know, kudos to you, kudos for the show. Um, that's the way you do it. This is how you give back, and this is how you, you know, you get kids to be better, you know, and be uh, uh, future, you know, future successful people in this world. Yes, amen to that, brother. Well, you know, we got to give the time for shout-outs. I, I know you got uh, got a lot of good things going on with your new supplements and uh, look like they're taking good care of you, brother. <laughs> yes, they are. I can't, can't uh, you know, thank my, my sponsor, Brandon Stewart, Elite Caliber Nutrition and New Dawn Nutrition. I'm actually helping him with the preparation for the Natural Olympia this year. I'm going to go out there with him. We're going to have a blast and um, it should be a fun time, and so it's it's always good when you have that that support. You know, every little thing helps out. You know, we can eat all the food, but if you get some good supplements, drug-free supplements that you can use to help out, and it's a blessing as well. And that's important. Yeah. Get older. If I could do a shout yeah, yeah. out to uh, myself, because uh, I I love going back to that time 
when I was just hit with the lowest of the low, uh, driving down to the KC Classic and just so happy and wanting to compete in it and being pulled over by some uh, just some rogue law enforcement that just felt like giving somebody a hard time. And they took all my supplements and dumped them out because they said they could have been drugs. And that just hurt me wow. to no end. And I got to speak up for Brandon because as soon as he heard it, he reached out to me. And he said, you know, what you lose? I, I can't imagine being in the situation you're in. And everything I lost, that brother sent me free of charge just right to my house. And I was just so blown away by that. You know, who who does wow. things like that? It shows the genuineness yeah. of, of someone's soul where they can hear that, you know, something like that would happen. And he say, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you weren't able to compete. But this little bit I can do to possibly make your day better. And I'll never forget that. I'll always love him. He's like a brother to me. I'm I'm, I'm just blown away that he would even take the time to use Because you're asking, like, who am I that this man would do that? But just because it's, you know, what happened, you, you mean you have value. And I don't want you to feel like you don't have value. And this is something I can do. This is something in my power that I can do to help your day. And he did it, and it just made my whole year. I mean, I didn't care if I won at any other show. I just knew that I had a brother that was there for me, and that, that just blew me away for that. So, you know, kudos to, to Brian Hassoff and much love, brother, because that was, that was real special for me. Wow, that is so amazing. That's incredible. Incredible. That's, that's good people right there. Man. Yes, sir. That's who you're working with. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I, saying I that. That's all right there. It's unbelievable. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Very selfless. Mm. Well, anybody else you want to give a shout-out to, brother? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Always a shout-out <laughs> to my family, my kids, you know, uh, Terrell, Kiana, Tanali, Ariana, my sponsors, just everyone, all my friends, family, my dad, um, brothers and sisters. It's just uh, so many people out there. Anyone that, you know, follows me or whatever. I, I, I don't, like I said, I never feel like I'm this, anything special, but just people that reach out to me and enjoy um, who I am or what I do, it, it's it's very humbling and it definitely makes me feel good because, you know, everyone wants to be useful in this world and if I can do anything to be useful, um, I, I, I just, uh, it makes me happy, you know, that I can help others out. So, uh, big shout out just to everybody, you know. So, and a big shout out to you and Desiree for having the show, having me on, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure, and I, I'm definitely willing to say, and it doesn't bother me one bit to say it, as that you changed a lot of lives, brother, and one of them happened to be mine, and I I'm, I thank God for that. Uh, thank you, brother. I, I so appreciate it, man. Thank you so so much. Thank you, guys. All right, dude. Have a great night, brother. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. You too. All right, guys. Thank you. Take care. Have a good night. You too, brother. Well, there you have it. Uh, always a great time talking with that young man. And he doesn't consider himself young, but he's young at heart. At least young to me. Um, Des, thanks so much for stopping in and then helping out. You did great. I just want everyone to understand that one person can make a difference if you're willing to make a difference. And that's all you really got to do is really strive to to help. And he's done a great job on Colorado Rico, and he's a great person because of it, because God just blessed him to be who he is, and he's used that gift to the best of his ability. So as Des would say, and she said it so eloquently, your body is a temple, so let's build it.